Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 199 and this episode is with performance coach and assistant coach at Grenada national team, Claudio Alteri. Claudio came on and we spoke about some of the main responsibilities in his role and also how understanding the tactical side helps his approach. We spoke about club v country in terms of a practitioner what he prefers, what the benefits of being at a club and slash being in the international game are. Um, We also spoke about periodising for camps. So when players are coming out to him on a three, four week camp, how he goes about periodising for that period of time. Monitoring overseas players. So the players that aren't in the country that he's working with um, and they're overseas, how does he go about staying in touch with them? What's the sort of process he goes through for that? And also some of the logistics in terms of travelling as well um, from Grenada to get into games and camps and all the rest of it. And then he also touched on the approach he takes to strength training with the budget restrictions he has in his role as well. So I think this is a really applicable podcast episode to a lot of practitioners out there. Not necessarily that you're working in the international game, but just some of the challenges that Claudio is is facing currently in the role will um it'll ring true for a lot of other people in different positions as well so i hope you enjoy this episode before we get into it i did promise episode 198 i put a bit of pressure on myself that we were going to have at least one event confirmed and i'm delighted to say we've got two events confirmed so two consecutive days two dates for your diary we've got a north event and a south event So hopefully you can make it to at least one of them. Wednesday, the 24th of August, we're going to be at Rehab for Performance, a superb facility in Liverpool. And we've got Matt Taberner, performance coach Matt Taberner is going to be doing a QA and a for us. We are going to be confirming another speaker for that event, but they're not confirmed just as of yet. So we have got Matt, we're going to be getting someone else for that event as well. And also Thursday, the 25th of August, We're heading back to Stadium MK. We've done an event at Stadium MK before. Great stadium, great setup. Um, MK Dons. We've got Performance Director Simon Crampton. He's going to be presenting for us alongside Akash, who is the Assistant Strength Conditioning Coach, and also Tom Bromley, Head of Strength Conditioning at MK Dons. They are all going to be presenting for us at that event. So tickets for both events and now available, early bird tickets are now available over on our website. So go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab, and you'll be able to get your early bird tickets today if you go and sign up as this podcast goes out. So go and check it out. Put the dates in the diary, Wednesday the 24th of August, Real for Performance, and Thursday the 25th of August at Stadium MK. Now, I took plenty from this podcast, and I'm sure you will too. But just before we get into it, I want to say a huge thank you to our sponsors and enjoy episode 199 with Claudio Alteri. Rezo is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest.
Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 199. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today performance coach and assistant coach at Grenada National Team, Claudio Alteri. Claudio, how are you? Good, good. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for, for the opportunity. On. Thank you. And we've just been saying we've got a slight different in sort of temperature and climate going on from the UK to the Caribbean, but we'll, we'll, we'll move past that pretty swiftly. Um, <laughs> anyone that follows you on social media or maybe our community members will have seen that this is a recent, a reasonably recent appointment into this role. So I'm really keen to dive into the role and the sort of approach that you're going to be taking. But to backtrack a little bit, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on your career so far that's led up to this role? Sure, sure, sure. I'll be very brief on that. So back in 2009, I moved to, to Australia and, and with, without a word of English, I started my journey in Australia. Then I learned the English. I got involved with uh, fitness and, and then I decided to do the sports science degree at ACU. I finished my bachelor degree, started to work in in gyms around YMCA was one of them. And then I completed my master's degree at ECU program in Perth and with fantastic practitioners and, and lecturers. And, and then I worked at NNU, which is the Australian National University, then NPL clubs, uh, Football New South Wales High Performance Program. And then my first international uh, job was with Indian national team. Then I moved to China, a club setting and club and academy setting, and then Anguilla for 18 months and now Granada for two weeks. So a little bit of going on between cultures in there. Brilliant. And has it always been an ambition to travel and, and go to different places? I would say so. I would say so. Once you, I, I grew up, you know, in, uh, in, in South America and Venezuela, and, and the goal was to live abroad because the opportunities were limited there. So once I did a step into Australia, then I never never say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to stay here. I will see where football will take me, the sports science will take me. And again, not only is football, but even, even with um, being a, a performance coach, if, if another sport Olympic committee will come, I will jump on board and, and do the, the job. Brilliant. Now, I know you're only very new into this role, I think two weeks as we, as we currently speak. Yes. But what are some of the key responsibilities and roles in this position? Yeah, so I think that the, the key is to set up, a, I, think I mentioned it before, to, to, to set up a, a performance um, mentality, uh, something called, you know, something that takes care of you daily when before prior prior to coming to into the sessions and after the sessions i think the preparation of the the younger players it's it's quite limited the the pe teaching at schools is it's probably not up there yet and that's probably my my main role to go and set up very basic movement um foundation movements for young ones and and then Again, the mentality of, of senior players to come, you know, 45 to an hour prior to the session to do the activation exercises, to come and do a, a proper warm-up, a planned warm-up, a, a program before the session, and then 
after the session take the, the, the recovery into accountability. That's the main key. Just set up again the, the football fitness culture I, I keep mentioning. Yeah, brilliant. Because we've just been speaking before we recorded about the differences and the opportunities in terms of going back to like even school with PE. And it's and I just said it's something we probably really take for granted, isn't it? That in the UK these these kids have these opportunities and this exposure to PE on a regular basis. And whether they then go on to go into any sort of performance or not is a different debate. But you're not in that same position, are you, with the players that you're that you're getting? Exactly. No, that, that's that's what we were talking before. Like, for example, a kid in the UK, I would, I would imagine, and in, in Australia, 14, 13, 14 years old, will play basketball, tennis, and football, and rugby, and and there is a lot going on on that topic on early specialization or not. But the, the kid, of, obviously, the, the young one is, is exposed to, to different movement patterns to be, you know, playing the sport and, and, and the PE teaching in the, in the schools in, say, for example, Australia, it's unbelievable. So when, when, when someone, when a, a kid 16 years old come to you and you're like, okay, well, I want you to do a, a squat, a normal squat and a push-up or a lunge, is ready. Is ready, and 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 deceleration patterns are ready, almost ready. Of course, always a, a window to improve, but but you know, like the, here is very different. They don't have that for many years, or probably none. So when when I come to to the island, let's say it's brand new. So a lunch is like wow, is demanding. Uh, push up is is demanding. A uh, plank is demanding. A squat is. It's very demanding for them. So I need to go back on very, very basic stuff for the young population. And I know your title is performance coach and assistant coach. So in terms of the assistant side, does that mean that you're supporting on the technical tactical side as well? Or how does that look? Yeah. So when when I first spoke about the job, uh, I think I've been focusing a lot in, in football, probably my entire career of the last seven years and um would i would say yes i i jump sometimes to assist the assistant coaches i wouldn't go for example in the middle of the game well it hasn't happened yet because we haven't got any game yet but i will go in and force a substitution or anything like that or a formation or anything like that that's totally up to the coach and assistant coaches but obviously being on the bench and and writing notes and and see uh you know, watching the game. I, I, I love the game. I love football and I will watch three or four, four matches a week, sometimes even two a day. So I'll write notes and, and I'll get advice. I provide advice to, to the assistant coaches and coaches. So so um, that's probably part of the, the role as well. And then obviously if, if I feel like in a warm up with the senior team to put a passing drill and, and it's you know, a passing drill that suits the assistant coaches and coach, why not? Yeah. So I have that freedom and flexibility with, with, uh, with the Granada national team. Brilliant. And what, what do you think about the understanding side of, of in terms of technical, tactical, for strength conditioning coaches and sports scientists? Sure. Like, how important is it for us to understand that side, do you think? No, I think it's, it's crucial. I, I'll give you an example, right? So, with Anguilla, we used to play a 4-4-2. Four, four, 
uh, two blocks of four and then the two strikers, yeah? So for me, obviously, it's a, a, it's a less demanding, uh, and I can, can show that uh, it's a less demanding um, formation than a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, okay? And, and I would argue that the, the strikers in the 4-4-2, they do much more cost, I call it cost more than loading or everything like that, than the rest of the team. Why? Because they need to go and, and, and slightly press, let's say, the, 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 not the wings, the, the backs, the, yeah. the two backs, full and box. the other one cover the full backs, yeah. and the other one cover the six or the number eight. So they're constantly doing that movement on a curved speed that you need as a performance coach now that you need to go and train. Whereas I would say in a four, two, three, one, the two wings, the two wings, they need to cover a lot of high speed runs. The your striker needs to move quickly. So his acceleration pattern and his deceleration pattern is, is quite like, it's, it's quite fast and you need to train for it, for it. So you have a, a player either the 10, the eight or the six um, is a box to box player. So you really need to start to understand the, the demands of the game in different formations more than, okay, well, uh, you know, like I put a warm up only for acceleration. No, it's, it's just who is, who is your, your, your player doing that pattern for 90 minutes. And have you experienced different approach, quite, well, different approaches across the different teams that you've worked with? And has that then led to you having to change your approach then? Yeah, yeah, I would say, I would say the midweek in a club scenario, yes, man, in a club scenario, you have, you have that, um, that flexibility where you can go in and do individual kind of um, session or, or, or let's say the strikers going to, to score, the defenders going to, to defend. And, and you have that, say, towards the end of the week, say on a Thursday, you can, if you play on a, on a Saturday, on a Thursday, you, you can definitely go and do that. And, and, and it worked. It worked. It works in, in EPL. It works in, in many teams. When you are in a national team and you're doing camp, um, sometimes you have three or four weeks to, to prepare and you don't have much time. You don't have... Uh, the, the players need to go and train and then recover, train, recover, train, recover. So again, um, answering your question, it's, it, it really depends. It sounds very vague, but it really depends on head coaches and assistant coaches as well. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we speak to a lot of people at clubs and they talk about like limited time. And then when you speak to practitioners like yourself in, in, in the international stage where player, you're only seeing players for a matter of weeks throughout a year, you have to be even more precise, don't you, on what you're going to be doing at what times? Yeah, exactly, exactly. In terms so, of a practitioner, Claudio, sorry to cut you off. No, no problem. With that debate around club, not club v country, but either working with a club or working with a country, I don't know if this has just answered the question on where you're currently at, but what's where do you find it sitting better with you as a practitioner? Is it working on a day-to-day basis in a club setting or getting players out for a camp in a, in a um, national setting? I think, I think obviously have the players daily. You, you can really do a lot. You can really have, you know, that not only... Forgetting now the science, but the science and being a practitioner as a person, you can get out of them even more. Okay, that's the first thing. Um, 
going back to club, I think that the game itself does a lot. The game gives you a load, a pick the man. Uh, the day after is a, a, a recovery. For the subs, you have the freedom to call them the day after if they need to. And or the match day minus one, you can do activities with them on, on, on you know, reaction for everyone. So you have that on, on a club scenario, even if you have two days, uh, two matches a week. On a camp, it becomes a little bit of a challenge because as you mentioned, you, you see the players really two times a year, maybe three if you're lucky, if you call the five for the next round. So it's a three weeks camp or maybe a four weeks camp where they have to come already, let's say some sort of prepare. The first day you spend with them time, you know, assessing them. And from the next day, either you're ready or not. And if you're not ready, we need to call someone else because we don't have the time to prepare you for the matches. So yeah. in club summary, in club, you have the time to prepare. In, in the national team, uh, you don't have that timing. You have basically, I would say 20 days max, 25 days max to, to go and perform. And you perform three games in seven days. So it's, it's really tough. I want to get on in a second um, onto how you go about periodizing the camp because I think that's really interesting. But just before I do that, can you give a little bit of context on the current squad you're working with on in terms of logistically, where are they based? Are they playing in Granada or, or are they playing yeah. elsewhere? Like where, where are they yeah. based? So basically now we have three under youth tournaments. So then the 15 young um boys then the under 15 girls and then the 17 boys so they all travel in three different countries so one will go to antigua uh, the 11th of, of august and the other one the 11th of august as well goes to dominican republic and at the end of the month uh the under 17 goes to potentially goes to nicaragua so in the first so my idea and what's been discussed is the two teams that they're going at the same time, I will be spending two, three days with each one of them. So basically going to Antigua, uh, set up what I call it, the performance scenario where you take care of the, the logistics. So you go with them and you make sure that they have the right nutrition, the right recovery um, settings. They, they, they go on time on, on what is planned and go and watch you know, where, they, where we will be training and, and why not the distances between hotel and, and stadium. So you provide a report to the coaches and say, okay, well, this is the logistical. So if, say, match is 3 p.m., we need to leave at 1 because traffic or whatever. And after that, I will jump on a plane and then move across to Dominican Republic to potentially do the same with the, the other squad. When Once we come back, um, in the meantime, sorry, I will be tracking, say, by Zoom or by by um, by Constance call the under seventeen that remains here, and then once I come back, I will I will leave with the under seventeen to, to Nicaragua. So it's a little bit of going on between the islands and the Caribbean countries. But again, so we're gonna be having five games in eight days. So it really volume becomes your priority in your periodization. And what about the club? Um, the clubs that the players are at are they local to where you're at now or are, they, are the players spread out okay so Grenada 
national team, senior team has around 20 plus players uh, playing in between England and, uh, and the US, a few of them in, in Jamaica, at first division. So they, we have those uh, players that they're performing in, in overseas and, and I got to get in, into them and, and make, meet them by Zoom and, and ask the SNC coaches some data, some sort of that, any type of data will, will help me. And with the players here, the league, in four weeks, the league is over. So we don't really have an, an international, let's say, important, very important match until March next year that we play the U.S. Yeah. So I will have freedom and, and room to improve and to set up um, set up what a, a programming for, for the for the national team, senior national team. Brilliant. So onto that periodization now, when you're looking at that four-week camp or whatever it is that you're going to have for the players, what's your approach to that then? All right. That's a good question, Ben. So so basically, I look it up. If we, if we look FIFA dates, so they play on Wednesday, Saturday, and then Tuesday. So I always go backwards, all right? So then you have to count the days that you travel, if you play home or not. So that's important. So again, for me, this is my opinion. For me, volume to expose the players the first, say, 12 days, 14 days of camp, if you have a 25 days camp, is volume. MIS, for me, becomes really important. Okay. And then you you mention it to assistant coaches where you do small Saturday games with transitions, where you go and say, for example, you you manipulate a lot of your, your small Saturday games with, with number of players and, and they need to cover, let's say, more is vague what I'm saying, but more kilometers, more volume. Where um, and then obviously you go and start to narrow down the, the next two weeks where you go and expose to you know 80, 85 percent of max velocity, you work with an aerobic speed reserve and and so on, going later. Um, closest to the to the match however i find out that i would i wouldn't say periodize my recovery but um prioritize my recovery towards the end becomes really important where you go and say for example to the coach okay let's this last week this let's um simulate what's coming the next week so you go and say you train hard on a tuesday and then you have day off full recovery on a wednesday and then you do something say moderate on a Thursday, Friday, you know, set pieces, why not? And then Saturday you train hard again and then you imitate. So the last block of say eight days is exactly the same of what's going to happen. And in the Caribbean, I had the flexibility to take the boys to the beach, to do a nice ice bath. No one complained about how, how cold it was. <laughs> so, so, so I had, you know, I had, I had the beach that helped me a lot. Just a very quick heads up on our online community. The latest presentations we've uploaded were from our Stoke event. So off-field programming for professional footballers by Nathan Plaskett and Max Velocity Monitoring and Exposure for YDP players by Jordan White. They are both available now to watch back on our online community. So if you're not already a community member and you want to get access to those presentations, including including many, many more presentations and webinars, go to footballfitfed.com 
click the community tab and sign up there. We've had coaches recently from FC Michelin, Stoke City, Crew Alexandra, Warrington Town, Everton and many other clubs that have signed up and you can go and connect with them plus many other practitioners from right around the world by signing up to our online community as well as getting all the great content on there. So go and check it out today. Get a free trial, free month trial at footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign up there. After the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward. So go and join today. Here's part two of the podcast with Claudio Arteri. Yeah, brilliant. So you've mentioned it before about Zoom and, and keeping up with players that way and getting reports yeah. from the clubs. But is that a big challenge when you're not seeing players for a long period and then you're having to get the information from clubs? Hopefully that is then coming your way. But if it isn't, is that is that one of the biggest challenges in the role? Yes, yes, I would say so. Yes, when when I Zoom with them, um, they they they. They take like look the the relationship I had with the Willem players was fantastic, and I would say here will be fantastic too. I would zoom with them, and then I had you know twenty players or plus in in a Zoom meeting, and then I would say okay, well, um, you guys need to do let's say a, a one kilometer time trial, and then from that kilometer, no, this is not having an SNC at the background, of course, um, having that kilometer as a time trial I will with the heart rate um, I will have an understanding of their fitness level and then I will do some programming and then let's say four weeks after I will ask them to record them one kilometer time trial so I can actually see what they're doing their movement patterns others in obviously uh, some of them most of them they live in england and i understand the weather so if they go to the treadmill i wouldn't care so so i would see them and then i will send a program i want to see them squatting deadlifting, single leg you know um exercises that i will do even if they're doing a romanian deadlift i want to see and then from there i will go and say okay let's meet individually with them so zoom and you need to fix this and and you know, we had a period of COVID, obviously, two years ago, a year and a half ago, where, where I would be on the, you know, at home doing, doing, doing teaching and explaining some modern movement patterns. So, so again, Zoom becomes your friend, your your tool, and and the, the players are that we we gotta rem, we 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 gotta I gotta remind this: once you are called for a national team, they all have pride. They all yeah. want to come and represent the country. They all want to go and say, oh, I'm going to CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers or Nations League. So they all want to put the work. And, and that's fantastic, you know? Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask in terms of that compliance when you're asking for videos, yeah. the players just sending it and they're just getting on with it. But yeah. then you've sort of answered it with, because they've got the reason behind it, haven't they? They, they yeah. know why they're doing it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. really interesting, the Zoom thing, isn't it? Because... We were forced into it through COVID, but then speaking to a lot of coaches that then either continued it or have to use it in their roles like yourself, I think it really brings practitioners on, doesn't it? Because you're not seeing people every day. You're having to get creative. You're having to really build that relationship without seeing a person, aren't you? So it's, I personally think it's, it can develop you quite a lot, can't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely a lot. If you if you do it, if you do it, obviously you don't want to come across going, okay, we got Zoom. 
um, every day or something like that. But if you come across with a nice, you know, like, you know, calendar and say, okay, guys, this day I want you to show me, I don't know, your squad or at the gym, take me to the gym with you. And then I will be on the phone and there will be six hours difference. They, they are nighttime in, in England and, and I'll be in Anguilla. And then, yeah, and that's the way we did it. So, yeah. Brilliant. And just on that, we've not spoke about in the gym yet in terms of facilities that you've got available. Like what, what do you have available for players there? Right now, I'm looking for it. I gotta okay. be honest. So I'm in a scenario where where I'm I'm making a few proposals to to go and and use a facility. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but I, as I say, with with young players, I got the the federation that that it got me a few few bands and mats and and foam rollers. So so I can do a lot with with young players right now with the what, what I have and I got a space. So, so it's, it's perfect, but going back into replying your question, my idea is to have, you know, two or three, um, racks and a sled, a uh, few sleds, even to, to put them on the field and, and then go from it. I'm not obviously going, coming to a new country. I'm not going to ask a high performance facility that is half a million dollar plus, but for sure, for sure, some sort of, some sort of uh, equipment to, you know, to develop that force velocity curve when when they 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 you know they run, they max strength. We, we know I'm not gonna repeat what we know about you know maximizing strength and 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 why not so and decreasing injuries. So so again, going back to Anguilla, I had one squat rack, two trap bars, and and ten kettlebells. And for me, um, what became really important was microdoses. So, mm-hmm. for example, Ben, I would come and then we had training every day of the camp, as I mentioned, say 25, 26 days. And every single day, my player will come 45 minutes before the session, will come, get changed, um, activation exercises, and we'll do two lifts. Let's call it anterior, uh, anterior day. Um, let's call it push day, squat and uh, Bulgarian split, done. So three by five and that's it, yeah. that's it. So go into the field and then go into a run on the field. So I had everyone coming to the gym, going, so everyone coming, activating. So at different times, lifting for about eight minutes, no more than that, going to the field, come back, stretching, nutrition and then all of them every day doing that so i had a really low rate of of injuries mm. really really low so i think that that program is what i'm looking looking forward to do here that kind of scenario setting microdoses yeah yeah and, and the more people we speak to like with different challenges with busy schedules and stuff that's the approach a lot of people take anyway isn't it because of the the restrictions on time just going back to the current program now, have you got in your mind then like a few phases of programming? So at the moment, no no secured facility, but you've still got this equipment and we could do, if we needed to get the players in tomorrow, we could do this. 
Then yep. the next stage is securing the facility, maybe having a squat rack, maybe having a sled. And then the next stage of the program is this. Is that the way you're sort of thinking and approaching it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to be honest. I, gotta, I met a couple of uh, senior players and we, the idea is to start mid-August with uh, we having them on a, on a daily basis, say five, six days a week between the under 20 and the 23 and senior. So we have a squad of 30 players. And then going from there, the first thing I would say I will do is the my, my functional movement screen and, and why not? And then, and then understand if they have a, you know, any issue or anything like that. And then like you said, okay, from here say until the 15th of August, I would try to get some sort of equipment. And from there, my very, let's say, first idea is to go and say, okay, I need to do a general strength program. I need to do then from there moving into, okay, we now, I, I've been, this is probably later on, we're going to get into this, but I've been watching a lot and listening to a lot and reading a lot from GB Morin on, yeah. on, on, on sprinting mechanics and stuff like that. So that's the, my first phase, four to six weeks, general strength and great movement pattern in terms of running. And, and then moving, say, if I have a, a, you know, a $2 million facility, well, then, then I, can, <laughs> I can do much more. But, but that's the, the, the first idea. But the skill of a practitioner comes back to the fact that we understand the principles, the philosophy that goes behind programming, don't we? And then in terms of equipment, it's great to have an all singing, all dancing facility, but you can still get loads done and prepare players in a more than adequate way, can't you, in the position you're in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and mentioning another name is Alex uh, Natera in Australia, a lot of isometric contraction and, and you don't really need much no. so so it's just understanding okay well go and read your science understand your, your practical scenario understand your culture and then put everything to get together so um this is probably later on in the podcast my suggestion to, to younger practitioners sometimes we read a lot on on you know like if you have a platform on on to, to, to monitor counter movement jump. I don't. And do I monitor the fatigue? Of course. Mm. So there is different ways. Yeah. And it, and then that comes back to what you're receiving from the clubs, which becomes yep. important, doesn't it? But then also probably more important is the conversations that you're having with players, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had I had in camp one day, and this I need to mention, I had one day one, one player that, you know, you go through the wellness and then, you know, the vibe is good and we've been, you know, you are in the Caribbean, so the weather is not a problem and, and, and the facility is amazing. And then one player comes to you and say, oh, you know, like I reported really low on motivation. I say, what's going on? And say, man, I just find out that I'm, I'm out of my club. My contract kicked me out. And you're like, okay, well, so how do you deal with that? So mm. obviously, um, it comes to come sit down, let's have a coffee. What was the issue? And, and, and that's something that sometimes in, in the sports science department, in, in let's say big, big clubs, when you have a lot of facility and then that, that I'd say, I'd say, I call it like this. I call it like that mirror or that window where players, players. No, I think we need to work towards one goal and, and you need to establish that relationship. And if it takes one coffee to go and understand your player, do it. 
Yeah, 100%. Valio, that's been fascinating. It'll be great to see the progression of the programme. We should get another podcast in maybe a few months' time just to see how things are going. But um, Thank you. No, I'm excited for you because we mentioned before the podcast, these opportunities that come up that are really are a clean slate, they're, they're a great true. opportunity, aren't they, to make real Very real true. impact with players. So, yeah, it'd be amazing to see the impact that you can make over there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nah, surely, surely we'll keep you posted, man. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll wrap things up with the quickfire podcast that we normally finish the podcast with. And the first one being, who are some of the biggest influences on your career and your programming so far? Sure. Well, I got a couple of names and I would say this, you know, I obviously been from, from like did my background in my, my sports science in Australia. I have a lot of Aussies <laughs> and um, I would say Glenn Corcoran is one of them. He's at Bond University, highest performance manager, um, been in touch with John Kobiela. John Kobiela is in the N- NPL right now. He was a victory couple of years, couple, no, uh, almost a decade. Uh, sorry, not victory. Um, he was a Melbourne Heart when he was called Melbourne Heart. Um, fantastic pr- practitioner. Danny Deegan, now in Mumbai City. Alex Watterson, MLS, uh, been in touch with another MLS practitioners like Alex Calder, Louis Madsen in, uh, in, um, back in Australia. So, well, obviously, I need to mention Darren Burgess is one big name in, in, in conditioning and, and uh, in sports science. Uh, Martin Boucher, JB Morin. Th- these are names that they come and they, they teach you, even if you read a paper or you listen to a podcast. They, they're really uh, fascinating, you know, names and, and practitioners. So... For me to be in touch with different practitioners lately, I think two, three days ago with uh, Walter Grandes, a sports scientist at Philadelphia Union. So yeah. it's just being in touch with them. And, and you know, that's that's my, I call it, like if you grab a blender and you put all these names and that's Claudio right now. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That's the way to be, 100%. Claudio, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, understanding the cultures, understanding, being very adaptable, being, uh, yeah, as I say, adaptable, understanding cultures, being a practitioner, then being a practitioner, it, it, I think sometimes we take that word for granted when you put it in LinkedIn or with Twitter, when you go and say, oh, I'm a sport practitioner, but be a practitioner more than, than scientists sometimes. Mm. Of course, we need to understand the science, but as I say, just go and, 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 okay, I have, you know, cones and hurdles and that's it. Okay, what do I do? Be there. Okay, that's, that's the main thing. I'm a, I'm a good practitioner, let's say. Brilliant. And then you just said about the culture there. When you go into it, because you, you've talked about the countries that you've been to and the sort of different roles, club, country, is it always something that you research quite heavily before you go into these roles and these, these different yeah. cultures? Yeah, 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 definitely. For, for example, one is religion. So you need to understand their religion. You need to understand the, the main history of the country. For example, the, this week or next week is carnival here. And for us in, in, in our mentality, carnival 
is okay party 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 but but in he means something different is a festival of of the suburbs in he and then they go and represent so you need to be flexible you can't put a eight o'clock session in in the morning on, on a canal because otherwise they will be like are you they they, they they won't like you you could yeah. i'm not saying you could but if you don't have say for example if if at the end of the month us would have come and play of course you can so but if you have no friendly no nothing for for a bit then be flexible yeah it's, so it's and, and empathy of, isn't it to players yeah. and understanding the, the the culture yeah that's really important yeah and then one thing i need to mention is the food the food here is sometimes can, can be quite heavy and culturally they're used to eat you know in one plate let's say potato rice and pasta and it's like, wow, that's a lot. At night time, oh, wow, that's a lot. And then slowly, I'm not going to go and say, no, don't eat no more rice, no pasta, mm. no, no, just going slowly. Or sometimes it's a lot of, you know, spices and, and it's heavy. You got to go and narrow it down slowly to go and, okay, make workshops, make presentations, make, you know, you as an example, me, when I go on camp, they will never see me with a big plate. No, just go and, and you know, be practical. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. What would be the top bit of advice you'd give to your younger Claudio starting out in the very start of your career? Uh, what would be the top one, bit man. of advice? <laughs> that's a good one. I think uh, be patient. Be patient. And sometimes, again, the literature doesn't give you everything because I remember when I came out from a master degree, I thought that, you know, having GPSs and 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 having you know a, a half a million facility was everything and that that would be make me become a really a real good practitioner but it's not you know it's not be patient trust the process meet your players meet the coaches coaches uh establish relationships and and doing the right thing there's only one way to get there brilliant and then just finally we always ask about CPD or professional development, yeah. continued learning. I, yeah. I know you're someone that's really eager to, like you just mentioned, network with coaches and learn from other people. But specifically, what's the approach you take? Do you, do you read articles? Are you looking at research yeah. papers, podcasts? What What is it? What's the approach you take with it? Well, the first one I got to say, Ben, thank you very much for, for creating the, the federation. And, and it's been fantastic just jumping in and read articles and, and listening to podcasts from different practitioners worldwide, especially the time that we were home. So thank you. Well, that's one of them. Uh, jumping into conferences is another one. So obviously I'm planning to go down, down under in, uh, in November yeah. <laughs> to do the ASCA conference. Um, and then the other suggestion for me is, and I do it quite often now that the flights are available again, is just to go and visit clubs. Say for example, those names that I mentioned to you in the US say, okay, well, I'm doing spending three days on each club. And and that's yes, of course, depends on your budget, but that's that's you know, you can really see, you can have the feeling of the of what the practitioners are doing somewhere else. And not only MLS clubs, I will go and jump on, you know, like even basketball clubs here in the community, see what they do, see what's going on. So I say basketball because I got to mention this. I watch different sports as well, basketball, baseball. So you get moving patterns from, you know, from those sports and then you you put them, oh, this works into my program. This doesn't. So you, you're flexible. 
It's a great point and a great bit of advice. And the other thing is you've said about like flying out to different places and stuff, but in Europe, like people are very, very fortunate that they'll have a number, especially where we are here in Northwest of England, we've got a number of professional clubs in a small area. So it's just really utilizing that, isn't it? And and reaching out to those places, but no, great bit of advice, Claudio. And um, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been great no, to catch thank up. Thank you, with you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. And and I gotta mention this. Sometimes here, being the unique performance coach in the Caribbean, sometimes it's like, oh, who do I compare myself? Compare is a very, it's not very, very. It's very vague to say, but who? How do I keep progressing? And that's how I do it. You know, like, and in meeting with people like yourself or other practitioners, like just. You know, okay. Well, I'm doing the, I'm going to the right direction. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, and I didn't know. So, so play humble, I guess. <laughs> Perfect, Claudio. Where would you say for people to keep uh, an eye on what you've got going on in terms of social media, or is there yep. any other links and stuff you want to push? Yeah, uh, I will be posting on social media the coming games: uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, big ones, and then LinkedIn. And then if I find any any matches that are live and, and stuff like that, I will I will share it and and hopefully get the support from 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 worldwide <laughs> to all, Granada. All the Football Fitness Federation podcast listeners will now be supporting Granada through through each Thank game. You. So you you'll have a few extra fans now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, man. Well, no, thank, you, so thank you, mate. Thank you for giving up your time and coming on. Really great to catch up. And uh, yeah, all the best in the next few weeks, months ahead as well. Thank you so much, man. Keep you posted for sure. Thank you for listening to episode 199 with Claudio. It was great to catch up with him. Claudio is actually a member of our community and a very active member of the community as well, which is always great to see. Always getting involved in conversations and contributing to our WhatsApp group. So a big thank you to him for coming on the podcast. It was great to catch up with him and really exciting time for him as well. I think this role sounds exciting. It's a bit of a blank canvas. It's something that he can really try and create something special there. So it'd be great to catch up with him in a few months' time just to see the transition of that programme. Go and give him a follow over on Twitter. He's Claudio Altieri one on Twitter. And also on Instagram, ClaudioAltieri.Performance. So go and give him a follow. Give him a tag when you've listened to it as well. Um, it's always, always great to see people retweeting and reposting the podcast and also letting us know what some of your takeaways were. From my takeaways, I think... Something we spoke about in the podcast was the lack of PE at schools that he's facing with a lot of the players that he's um, working with at the moment. It's something we probably take advantage of throughout Europe, really, and, and probably a lot of parts of the world that a lot of kids, and I know it has reduced probably since, it makes it sound old now, but probably since our time at school, um, the actual exposure to PE has probably gone down overall, but they still probably get a lot more than certain areas of the world which obviously affects movement patterns and skill acquisition and all the rest of it. So that is something that he's having to deal with, starting them from probably a lower level than what you would with a lot of professional players. Um, then he, the, the phrase that I wrote down that Claudio used was, be a scientist sometimes and just be a practitioner. So the relationships, again, that he touched on with his players was the most important thing. Using the science, using the data is great. And it's great to use that and and relate to that 
But actually having these relationships is something really important, especially in a role like his, where he's having to communicate over Zoom and remotely with a lot of players. Obviously, if we're just bombarding them with data, we might be losing them a little bit, but actually having conversations, working with them and getting to um, keeping them at the heart of every, every decision we're making is the most important thing. And then just another thing touching on that first point is there are, we've said before on the podcast that um, there's, there used to be a lot of opportunities that had this sort of blank canvas, working from a blank slate, trying to create a programme from nothing. And a lot of clubs now, even if you go down the football pyramid to sort of semi-professional levels, they might even have some sort of sports science or strength conditioning support now. But this proves that there are still opportunities out there. So be creative when you're looking out for things, not necessarily having to move to the Caribbean, even though it doesn't, it sounds pretty attractive to me. But even if you wanted to stay in the UK um, or wherever you are in the world, there are definitely still opportunities that you can really develop as a practitioner. So search out for them, maybe think outside the box a little bit um, because it definitely does challenge you as a practitioner and, and develop your skill set. So I hope you enjoyed this. This is episode 199. Episode 200 is already recorded. It is in the books and it is one definitely not to miss. I've put a few teasers out on socials already. It's recorded and you are going to enjoy it. So make sure you keep an eye out next week for episode 200. And just on that, just thank you for the amazing support across the 200 episodes. It's something that I continue to do and want to do every single week. And um, yeah, the support's been amazing. So thank you very much for that. And on to the next two, uh, uh, next 200 episodes. It gets us to 400 as soon as we can. Um, and then just finally, make sure you support the show by not only supporting it, by sharing it, but also our sponsors. So go and check out everything that Rezzle have got going on. I mentioned in the last episode, the great blog they released recently, Recreating a Goal by Maratta. So go and check that out. And um, yeah, they're doing some great work in sort of cognitive training, rehab. So go and give them a support on socials at Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L over on socials um, and keep an eye with what they've got going on. But thank you again for all your support. Bring on episode 200 and I'll speak to you again next week.